Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike, and joining me as always... Hey guys, Brian. And we have another episode for you guys, another film review. And Brian, this is your recommendation, so why don't you uh, take the lead on this one? Yeah, so uh, my recommendation was the 1958 film, The Ballad of Narayama, directed by... I'm probably pronouncing this name wrong, but Kazuki Kinoshita... Um, I believe he's a Japanese director, um, obviously from the 1950s. But he—he—I've—I've I've seen a few of his other films. He—he's—he's he's mentioned in the Criterion Collection a few times, I think. And I, this is actually how I was able to watch this film um, because actually was, there's a little bit of a story behind it that I needed to trade out a Blu-ray because I don't have a Blu-ray player. I buy DVDs. Uh, via the Criterion Collection, I went to the, my local Barnes Noble because that's where they sell them, and I was—I just had like a small credit of fifteen dollars. I went to see what I could get, and actually, lo and behold, this this film was there for fifteen bucks—a complete blind buy. I said, "All right, let's give it a shot," and then I gave it a gave it a watch, and I was completely blown away. I think I saw this for the first time about a month and a half ago, and I immediately added it to our like docket, and I wanted to talk about it. Oh wow! I didn't realize because I was there when you yeah had that transfer because I was I remember specifically that was a long exchange and I was like hey let's hurry this up but I didn't realize this is that film from that day that for the exchange but uh yeah no I'm it's it's, it's pretty awesome that you had seen a film like really right away and said okay this and just added it to the docket so that must you know speak volumes of this film itself if you wanted to add it like right away especially from you know the plethora of films that we could talk about so uh brian you mentioned you you'd seen other films of this director what what other films did he make i I, i'm not really well versed in uh japanese cinema so i'm not i don't know if i've seen stuff like this i've I've, the only japanese films that i've seen are mostly samurai so i i don't i don't know if i've seen any more of this guy's work. I think I've only seen one other one. Um, and it might have been called Vengeance is Mine, but actually now that I'm looking at his page, I might be mistaken. I may not have actually seen any of his other uh, films. So actually, I think that's my mistake on that one. I thought he directed that film, but he did not, I think. Well, okay, well, either way, um, I, I, I'm very interested to see how this conversation is going to go because I think we had very different reactions to the film and I I don't want to tip my hand too much but I think you you had the more like there's a reason why you wanted to talk about this film right now so yeah let's just uh let's just get right into this film Brian because I think there's there's a lot to talk about with this type of film yeah absolutely yeah we can yeah let's just jump right into it I think that's the best way to do it so Brian, why don't why don't you describe your first impressions, and because it obviously left such an impression on you that, like I said, out of all the films that we can talk about, th- you added this right away. I think you even we we had a lineup, and I think you yeah we you know, switched vetoed, up the order a little bit. We switched up the we switched up the order, but I think you vetoed some other things to get this right in the docket. So what about what what was it about this film and like your first impressions like watching it and just thinking like wow like what what did you think i think it was definitely more of the pure experience that going into it i think cuz i had it and i remember and that's another thing too that i feel like will be a little challenging because 
that you can't, there's not too much accessible information about this film out there. Because I will stress to the listeners, I am talking about the 1958 version, not the 1983 remake. And everything I was finding was about the 1983 remake. And and there's not really that. And the, I think even the trailers that they have online for this film are very low quality. It doesn't really do the film justice. I remember I just, I went through via the Criterion site and just kind of looked at it and saw that it was like very interesting and so I, 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 that's why, that's why I initially was like, well, it's 15 bucks, Criterion DVD, might as well just buy it. And then I'd sat on my shelf for about two months, and then I said, eh, let's, let's watch it. And then I sat down and watched it, not having any idea what to expect. I just knew that this was going to be like a Japanese 1950s film, which I actually really like that genre and, and decade of like Japanese film. Like, I, I think we've talked about several times on the podcast, so I'm like a big fan of like Kurosawa and especially like samurai films of that era, um, they, I'm like I think like Kobayashi. That's another director that's coming in the, in the mind. But I, I kind of just blanking on those uh, several of those directors. But I do I'm a huge fan of that of that of that decade. But mainly I really dig Japanese film, and I don't really know why I just do. And so I was like, okay, let's 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 go into it. And I just even from the first couple minutes, I was just kind of already not blown away isn't the right word, but very interested uh, because it's it's the way the story structure is set where the, it, like, it's set like that, that fourth wall breaking moment where, you're, like, you're watching a play and I was like, oh, what, this is interesting. I mean, the singing is a little grating, but it's, I mean, it's just that that's the culture. I don't really necessarily like the singing Well, before we get into that, what is the Ballad of Naryama about? Oh, okay, yeah, sorry. I guess I'm getting a little too excited, but, um... Well, essentially, the Ballad of Nariyama is, it details in this village how the, essentially, when you reach a certain age, I believe it's 70, that uh, the, the if you're, it's for any elder, but you're, I, I, presumably your son takes you up to the top of the mountain that your village is built around, and you're essentially just left up there to die in the cold, but it's like, it's, it's like a cultural sacrifice thing, and it's more for, like, uh, I guess resource management because I think they're setting up in this in this region that uh, food isn't exactly there. It's kind of like a scarcity or it's not as like abundant as you would think. So it's kind of like a population control kind of situation. And so de- the film details Nariyama, who is the the elderly mother, who essentially it's like her coming to terms with that. I'm and her son who will have to inevitably take her up to the mountain. Both of them coming to terms with this reality that uh, you're going to have to leave your mother up on a hill or on a mountaintop to die. And it's very emotional in that sense that it's like, she's very, it's like ingrained in her culture and her identity is like, she's, she's like, it's a pride. It's a moment of pride that she needs to go up to this mountain and sacrifice herself because either that I'm a burner and waste on society. I think they, they talk a lot about her teeth and that like, because she's such good teeth and that, I guess like she's not living up to this like standard of like of elder el- elderly like poor health and yeah poor health like, like something weak. like like she's like she's supposed to be usually I guess by that age you're supposed to be ready to die but she's not so like they they focus a lot on her teeth but also just that inner dynamic struggle of between mother and son and then son in the village and everything like that it was just it was very it was very I I found it, it was a very tragic story and very 
I don't know, it wasn't like tugging on my heartstrings or anything, but it was definitely something that was very interesting to me. And then we can yeah, talk no. about the other aspects going forward, but... Yeah, I agree. And like, and if we're talking about kind of like the meaning of it, one thing that always kept coming up in my mind was the short story The Lottery by Shirley Jackson. I don't know if you've read this story. Nah. So it's essentially... I, I, I read it like like a year and a half ago, and it's it's one of those... Like, they teach it in English classes throughout, like, the entire country. I guess our high school missed out on that because we didn't read this. Absolutely, but, yeah. Uh, we missed out on a lot of things in that in school. And and, it's, and and just on that, like, I was in, like, the honors and AP stuff, so, like, we didn't talk about it. We had, like, the whole range, and, like, you were in, like, the like the regular classes. So we had the, – the point of that is to say we had the whole, like, Eng- me and you had the whole English department. The, the spectrum covered and we didn't talk about this but the point is is that the lottery is about this like 1950s like middle american town that <clears throat> the whole town comes together and they have this lottery and there's like a lot of tension building up throughout the whole thing there's kind of people questioning like what the lottery is and you know there's the elders that are saying oh like there are some towns that to have even like they don't do the lottery anymore and they're just you know they're ass backwards they don't know what they're doing and then the tension keeps rising with like so it's like a family gets called and then that family does a lottery and it just keeps whittling down until one person is selected and spoiler alert for anyone that hasn't read the lottery the end of the book or the end of the short story is that the wife of the family her her like she quote-unquote like wins the lottery and she gets stoned to death and that's like this tradition of the lottery it's like a it's like a sacrifice to something i don't want to say god or the gods but it's like a sa- it's like a sacrifice to like help the crops and i think like one of the last uh like things spoken in the in this short story is like oh the lottery like always has to continue so i think it it has this overarching theme of like communism or something i always took it as questioning these old traditions and just following blindly so that as i was wa- as i was watching the ballad of narayama that like, i was kept thinking like what is the point like the whole style of the the unique style of this film has to be contributing to something so it's like we're watching a play what is the theme of this play i think yes the emotional struggle between a mother and son and the son having to come to terms with like the immortality of his mother but I think it goes even deeper than that. And I was getting the idea of, you know, following, like, blindly following cultural traditions without questioning them. So that's kind of what I was getting at. This is what I was thinking throughout the whole thing of watching the Ballad of Narayama. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean that's a fair interpretation. I guess as far as subtext goes, I wasn't necessarily, like, picking that up. Um, because I guess I don't re- I don't recall any 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 character being like, why are we doing this? Why is this a thing? It's just it's just more of the the son saying like, please don't make me do it. I can't bear to like kill you essentially. Well, I think the whole point of like that no one is questioning it is kind of the like the idea because the whole idea is that you go to Narayama because this is I I took it as like as an elder you're weak decrepit you can't contribute you're a drain on the society. And yeah. this village that you go to Narayama is like your final contribution to please the gods that help like 
that help your village. But the thing with uh, the like the the mother character, I'm not good with names. So the mother character, yeah, Oren. Oh, also I believe oh, oh. I said her name Oren was Nariyama. I didn't mean to say that. I'll like as a correction. Oh. Oh yeah, Nariyama is the yeah, god it's, yeah, that yeah. overwatches this so supposedly watched over the village. So Orin, so Orin kind of goes a, completely against that whole idea of elders being weak and decrepit and, and just a burden because a her her teeth are healthy. You mentioned that that they keep singing and like mocking her teeth. So she ends up, you know, bashing her teeth to kind of fit this image. But you know, she she does contribute. She still cooks. She still cleans. She takes care of the family unit. She knows the best fishing spots, and she passes that knowledge on to the, um, the new wife of the family. And she's, she's also very persistent in trying to make sure that her son has a wife so that, like, the family unit can still function when she's gone. So I just – I was thinking the whole time, like, she is, like, completely a – She's the opposite. She's the antithesis of what this uh, of of what this whole tradition is supposed to be doing, and it's honestly like getting rid of her is a detriment to this this village. But they still have to follow it. So that's kind of where I was getting at the whole blindly following traditions. And it's also I think I was also thought it was important to note that it's like the late nineteenth century, so it's about to be the turn of the century into the. Um, into the 1900s so like industrialization is about to come into japan and i thought that that's a very you know unique i mean it it wasn't played up at all like oh you know, yeah that this, was yeah this we'll modern talk about ideas. that at the end yeah but like these modern ideas coming in and and like maybe starting the question so i thought the subtext was there but sur on the surface level wasn't really explored but that's kind of what i was getting at yeah well this actually i just did a quick Google search and this this is actually a real practice that was a real practice in Japan in feudal Japan it's called like ubisuti or something and it's it's mm -hmm. literally the practice of abandoning uh abandoning a parent uh senicide where they they whereby an infirm or elderly relative was carried to a mountain or some other remote desolate place and left there to die so yeah it is i think maybe yeah i guess that that cultural commentary especially with that end scene yeah, I mean, I guess I think you're saying like so something what you have what you've been saying may have been maybe ringing true. Yeah, because the whole time and like I'll start kind of saying my first impressions of this film when I when I was watching it, I it's one of those really weird instances when you can recognize that like what you're watching is a cinematic masterpiece. Like everything is flowing really well. Uh, I really enjoyed the interactions and the chemistry between the like the wife, the son, and Oren, like the, the mother figure, like that that dynamic, and like how these traditions are coming in, and how these characters interacting, and how they're like you you genuinely feel that they're close. I also like the style is something that is just utterly amazing, and that the and the whole and we'll get into this too, but the whole style is. It's literally breaking that fourth wall, whether it be characters talking to the camera, like saying you're watching a play, or even so much as, you know, the set, the sets, or like the pieces literally moving around each other. You have, um, like, uh, what is it, like the, the curtain dropping to reveal another... Like, like set, a, it's like a, a set within set. a set, like yeah, it, it's it's like so meta in itself, and it's like it's surreal. It's really surreal in in its presentation. Oh, there's definitely like an ethereal 
uh, like presentation to some of these scenes. So, well, and 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 even like the lighting, how dramatic it is. Like one of my favorite moments is when the elders are discussing, uh, like the rules to like, like when the, they take the, the, the ritual of Narayama and they take the like the sacri- or like they take the the sip. Oh, that and, that, and that was my that. favorite scene too. Yeah, I, I just thought it was like the lighting was was utterly fantastic. It's just it's just so amazing how they worked it. And and but all that being said, I can say that these things are there, and I really enjoy them. But I just it just wasn't clicking for me. I don't know why. I, and it wasn't because I wasn't in the mindset. Because this was, you know, this was during a break from school. I had nothing going on. I this week I was just binging so much different stuff, and I really was really open to this idea. But it just I don't know something, just wasn't clicking for me. And I, 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 like you mentioned, that the singing was really grating. That definitely took me out of it. But I don't know. I maybe like maybe I'll I have to come back. Maybe I was, it was just so much going on. I have to come back to it, and I'll appreciate it on a second run. So, but right now, it's one of those things that I recognize what I'm watching is cinematically beautiful and a masterpiece. And I would totally recommend this to like cinephiles and just really any any filmmaker for that matter. But I was having a hard time, like, really getting into the film until the end. I will say that. Like, the once, like, they actually start their whole, the walk to Narayama, I, or, like, the, the, like the cliffside, I, I, that is when I really got really invested. But that's, like, the last 20 minutes of a 90-minute movie. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. You're, you're, the way you're falling is very interesting until we were like, well, I don't like it, but I would recommend it to everyone. Like, the way that's hinting at um, yeah, no, I guess we can just, I mean, that's your first impression out of the way, so I guess we can just get right into the, um, I'm trying to think, there's so many elements that are, like, good. I guess we could just, like, talk about the, I guess, set design, and, like, how, that's what, that's, that's what, that's what really struck me as unique about this film, where it's just, like, it's so layered, and, like, so, you could tell it's obviously, some of it's shot on a, um, on a soundstage, that's very obvious, but even still, like, the way they, like, maneuver the camera and the colors and, like, the set within a set, you know, sometimes, like, it'll just drop away, like, a curtain will fall, and then you're in a new set entirely, and then, like, the people sitting on the set will break away, and it, like, transitions into another, like, simultaneous scene. Well, it's kind of the point. Like, the whole, the film isn't trying to fool you that it's a sound set. If anything, it embraces that sound set, and it really kind of in, in, in for, reinforces that whole, like, this is a play, it's like it's an allegory essentially or how i was taking it like it's not trying to fool you in any capacity no i never said that i'm just saying no no it's interesting the way they present it oh no and i think it's the big takeaway for them well one of the big takeaways for me is just the presentation of this film like very few films you know elect to choose their their story in this way especially in like modern filmmaking or like you, there's there's films that are based off of plays or musicals and like sometimes there's like a semblance that it's it's from a stage play but this you know embraces that it was it's it's on a stage and that there's an audience watching it which i think is very striking and like you said the use of you know the background like the like the the map paintings and but even like once we start getting into the cliffs, like the intricacy of of how large and expansive these sound stages are, 
one thing, like, this detail's coming up to me, like, they're walking through, and there's just, like, a waterfall, like, a tiny trickle waterfall as they're walking by, and they don't really draw attention to it, like, they just walk through it, but I'm like, that's, that attention to detail is amazing, it's just a waterfall that helps set the scene, and then I could only imagine what it actually looked like, like, with the lighting and this, and the, like, the lighting designs and the set, like, it was, it was, it was, honestly, it was, it was breathtaking, yeah. set design of this film. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think it was just really innovative and awesome, especially for, like, something in, like, the, from the 1950s in, like, post-war Japan. Like, it's, yeah, it's awesome. Even, like, the transitions, like like we were mentioning earlier, we have, you know, the curtains coming down or, uh, like, the back, the back drops. They, it, it literally will drop from, like, a tube, and then, like, the scene will change or like the set pieces will like shift away you could like kind of almost feel the sense that they're all, the sets are on wheels or like people are just sitting there it's it's very much like a play but it's a film which i i think that aesthetic is just is awesome so i i think that's like the strongest you know visual point that i can take away from this film is 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 all that set design or even like like we both mentioned our favorite scene is when they're describing the rules of like the ritual and it's just a static camera but like the camera doesn't move, but it's just the lighting, and it yeah, and it's like what they're saying, and it's just yeah, it's like a focus on the ritual, and I think that's like a fifteen-minute sequence of just like people just sitting there talking, but it's like so much going on in that scene, and you're like, I I don't, it just works for me. It's very methodical and deliberate, and 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 it's but it's so like nothing's like going on. But it's so, like, visually stimulating because Oren and her son, I think they're, like, light blue. Like, that's what's... It, it's kind of reflecting their moods. And then the elders are highlighted in green, I believe. But then everything around them is just black. And then as each... Um, as they take their sips and they keep passing it along very slowly, as they get up to leave, the light diminishes until... It's just Oren and her son left on the screen in blue, and that's the cool thing because it's like it's just like seven or like six people talking, and then there's like Oren and her son, but like the whole time you're like you're kind of just watching the two main characters, like how are they reacting to this, or and you're like conceptualizing like this is the journey that they're about to go on, and yeah, and we can talk yeah. about the plot next, but like the last thing before we like get into the plot like with the set I'm just designs. saying what it represented which was the cool oh, no, thing I'm, about I I just wanted to comment on what like the cliffside at Narayama is like it's just like covered in skeletons and bones and then you know it starts it starts snowing and then you, it's it's just it's just like the whole thing like really immerses you and that's like one thing I can definitely write home about and and I'm definitely going to be more passionate about the ending as I am like the first like 70 minutes or so well that, but, yeah and that's like the most iconic thing about the movie i think is that is like that one scene of orin just like sitting there with a blanket like kind of praying to the gods just like getting snowed on like just ready to die and and i think that that's the cover on the dvd and that's definitely like i think the best shot in the film in terms of like what the film represents so well, yeah and that's a good, is, good is last haunting. shot and that scene is haunting in itself, and we'll get to that once we get to the plot, which we'll, which we can transition into the plot now, because that's kind of like I think I feel like I've said all I need to say about the it's a great looking set design film. and cinematography. It's goddamn like, good looking. Like honestly, like I'm I'm very much like 
a visual storyteller and based on visuals alone i would recommend this film to anyone just especially as like just as an exercise to see like what you can do differently with film because they don't make movies like this anymore they no one would ever they de- the no only person i think who would make a movie like guts. this the only person i think who would make a movie like this is like nicholas winding ruffin maybe you know what i'm saying just like how yeah, like possibly what he's i think he's the only one that i think could do it right yeah, I think I guess a lot of people say. would do this, but then they wouldn't get it right. I think Winding Refn is the only director that could c- come remotely close to getting like this style of like storytelling. Just with set more design. Neon. Yeah, exactly. So that's all I had to say about like the set pieces and and the cinematography and like the lighting and all that. Yep, me too. So now we can get into the stories and the story. And I guess here's where we can actually talk about the characters as well, because they how they factor into the story. So, Brian, tell so tell me about the story. I, like I like so I already mentioned, the story for me didn't necessarily like it. It kept my attention, but I was emotionally. It, it, it's weird. I can't really describe why, because I really love the character of Orin, and well, I guess not love isn't the right word. I really enjoyed the the character of Orin and her relationship with her son and like the new the new wife character. But it nothing ever really like kept me strong until that like walk to Nariyama started. So just so tell me about like your reactions to the story. Well, I I think I kind of disagree with you and like, well, I mean, it's all of, like, our personal preferences, but, like, I thought the whole idea with Oren was just really just tragic and heartbreaking. It's just, like, someone who's, like, bound by, like, her culture, and, like, that's all she understands, like, this is what's gonna happen to me. And, like, you both, we all know, and even she knows that it's, like, this probably shouldn't, this isn't, like, necessarily fair, and, like, and, she, and it's, like, she's, like, punishing herself because she's, like, I'm, like, not fitting to this, like, old, decrepit, decaying standard. I am a con- – I contribute to society. Like, I'm not, like, a drunk. I'm not unhealthy. I'm actually very healthy. And it's, like, she has to, like, justify it to herself that, like, I have to – and that's – I think that's just her rationalizing her death. Like, I will have to go up here and die, you know, a relatively painful death of freezing to death or at least of starvation. And – I just think that whole struggle is just, and and I didn't really care. I mean, the son I did care about, but I felt I felt more drawn to Oren's struggle mainly, and it's like because he just feels so bad for her. Because he's just like, no, your your heartstrings definitely get pulled with her, especially when she you know bashes out her teeth because it's too healthy, and she again, it's just her conforming to the standard. Like, look, look, I'm I'm unhealthy. Like, I bashed my teeth out, or. Or telling your son, like, listen, like, it's it's all going to be okay. You got a wife. I got you a wife. So you're not going to be alone. I know your kid is kind of a jerk. Um, kind of a jerk. <laughs> I know. Well, he's that's an understatement. He's a real, you know, something. But, and then it's like, even like when she's like, even, even the, when the son's crying and she's like, you can tell that she doesn't really want to go, but she's like, come on, you got to do this. This is, this is, you're bound by our code to do this. And. And even like even when she she's she's a very heartwarming individual because when even when she's making rice and stuff and she shares it with that other guy that other old guy who his turn to go to the mountain is is near too and he doesn't want to go and it, I I I feel like her character is definitely like the grounding force I mean she is the main character it's her struggle 
Um, but also the son and did think, well. And I think that's where the tragedy comes in because it's like she is like the um, like this this grounding like emotional support of the whole community. Like she's a pillar of this community, and they're you know they're all assholes. Like they're all tr- they're all singing about you know how much like she has all of her teeth and. And they're mocking her, and they're like, "All right, it's your turn." Like they're ready. Like, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Like, she's this, you know, she's provided for this village. Well, her own village, but then she came to this, like this, the 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 village that were, like, this is taking place, and she provided for them and she supported them. But then it's like, "All right, see ya." Yeah. And I think that's another reason why I just I, I this whole village I just, which is why I think I liked Orin and the son more because they just weren't. They were just total opposites of the entire village. Like, they're singing to, like, they're just, they're, like, praising her. They're mocking her to go to uh, Narayama, like, completely disregarding her at all. Well, they're kind of uh, like it, animals. It's like, if this wasn't made in, like, feudal Japan, you would think it's like an apocalypse, like an apocalyptic landscape. Because it's like, they're so reliant on, like, this code of like, well, the old people just die, so we don't have to take care of them. And also, like, I was getting a we have of, such like, little food. And then, like, even with the, especially it. with, it, and it really accentuated this with the, um, when the thieves were like stealing, when that thief stole the food. And didn't they steal from his family? They're like, they stole all their food and then they divvied well, it up. What had happened was, yeah, he got caught and then they, like, beat him and then they yeah they took all of his food because they their rationale was well this is ours so they took back what was theirs but they divvied it up amongst the whole yeah no but they took all of their food oh yeah everything yeah and they said like i got first i got first dibs blah 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 and you're like it's like really like they're like animals you know and like really selfish people and they become the thieves in essence. Like, they stole from a completely innocent family. And everyone is, you know, in hard times and starving. So it's just it's just an interesting, you know, dynamic that's going on in this juxtaposition. But I, I don't know. I just, I, I mean, I, I, I did, I mean, I don't want to say I dislike the movie. I just, there, there's just this was some disconnect. But which is weird because like you've just been praising it this whole time. I know, which is why I feel really conflicted because I don't know because it's like I said in the beginning, it's gonna be weird. I can I can recognize that this is a cinematic masterpiece, but it's like not for me. You know what I mean? I, I don't I, know. I, no, I, I get that. Like I'm trying to think of like a film that I can put in context with that. I'm not really thinking of anything right now. But there are definitely films where I'm like, this is objectively a good movie, but like I just can't can do, like I just don't get it. And know. yeah, and it's not, it's it, it's just it's weird because like I'm pulling out all these different things from it. Like I'm recognizing like some some great things about like strong things about this film, but you know personally it's not jiving. But anyway, that being said, I, yeah, I, I definitely for me I definitely want to focus more on the ending because that's what had the most the most pull for me, and when it kind of started reeling me in because that's when I that's when because the whole to me the whole like first 70 minutes is like a build up to this moment and and I guess the it had to have worked because I was in in the film for the last 20 minutes like I was invested in the character of Orin and her son and what was going to happen like I was like is the film going to end with them just saying like fuck it to tradition or are they going to follow through with it like what's what what's going to happen mm-hmm. so I I mostly want to focus on 
you know the ending because of how it is tragic the whole the whole film is tragic and depressing as hell and you make me watch (laughs) some depressing ass films for this podcast I do actually. Yep, yep. I do make you watch some depressing like, things, and they I, I and there are more to come. I was sitting. I remember I was sitting here watching the film, and I was like, "God damn it, Brian! Like, can't we just watch like, I don't know, something happy, like a Pixar movie or like Rio or something that we can just like do inside jokes to each other for an hour and a half?" But no, we got <laughs> we got to watch something that makes me want to fucking cry. But Anyway, so let's. So, is there anything you want to talk about before we get to that ending, like with the in relation to the plot or the characters? Uh, nope. I already. I think I. I, I said my piece. Okay. So, and then so we we get to the beginning of this walk, which, following that great segment of you know explaining the rules and and kind of setting the tone for or setting the rules for the viewer and like setting the tone. So the whole time, you know. The son is, you know, walking. He's 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 obviously conflicted. He's talking with his mother, and she's trying to console him, trying to, you know, give her give him as many words of encouragement. Like it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. Like as any good mother would do, because she, they're both obviously conflicted. But she's doing her best to be strong for the both of them. Like he's being physically strong, but she's obviously holding the emotional support for both of them. Yeah. No, I agree, and uh, it yeah, no, it is like a, it is a tough, a tough, like batch to watch that when it's like she is the, the the centerpiece of this of this drama. Like yeah, yeah. and and so, you know, and like the whole like that like there's ten minutes of them just walking and setting that 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 tone. I think at one point, um, the old man, he's like, he's like tied up and and the one that like the i want to say quote unquote the coward that doesn't want to go to narayama he's like tied up and and he's just being like dragged up there by his his son like it's it's a very interesting and he gets thrown off the cliff well that happens after after he leaves her like right 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 right, yeah his his son leaves but anyway so i want to talk about when they get to the gates because one of the rules is that once they pass into like narayama and they pass that gate the mother like Oren cannot speak like the two of them can't speak and like the most heartbreaking is when they get to the gate and he says well we're at the gate like are you gonna say something to me because this is it and she doesn't say anything and that's like to me so heartbreaking because she couldn't even say like uh like words like final words of encouragement like i love you or something like that she just she just motions her hand forward which i think becomes like an iconic thing of this film and i think the most creepy thing of this film too um so he like pass he he begrudgingly passes over he kind of like runs through the gate just to get it over with and you know we start walking up the hill and we start seeing all the bones of ancestors past and and it's just like there's like fog on the ground. It's it's just like really mood setting, and so, and we walk into like the heart of the mountain, and he sets her down. They just lay a mat down. She puts a blanket over her, and then he just runs away in in how depressed he is. Which you know that was that was saddening, and then that's when we meet up with the with the <laughs> the odd couple with the old man and the son. And they both end up taking a tumble over 
the over the cliff edge, which was interesting because he's the son is obviously very emotionally distraught because he left his mother up there, and here's this guy that's like you old you old shithead, like get up on the mountain, and he's like, are you kidding me? Like I would want anything to have my mother still here with me. So they so those two guys, the old man and the one ungrateful son, just take a tumble off the edge. But then it starts to snow, and this is when you know for me. The film is at like a solid eight or so, but now it's getting cranked up to like a full ten, like of emotion. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then, yeah, well, then he runs back and he says like, "Mom, mom," uh, and then wanna, would you like to? Well, it's so heartbreaking because yeah, he runs up. He's like, "Mom, mom," like or like you see, it's snowing because they were hoping it was gonna snow so she would die sooner. And and he's like, you see, it's snowing, just like you predicted. Like you're always right. It's kind of his last plead of like, I. To me, I took it as I love you. I don't want to leave. Please don't let me leave. But then she's just wrapped up in in her blanket, which is on the cover of the Criterion, and she's like, you know, praying to the gods, and she just, you know, motions her hand forward and says, go, because she can't speak. So it's just this. It's just this like skeletal, little withered hand that walks out and just slowly says go it's i under it's okay it's okay and then he runs off crying so he doesn't have to watch his mom freeze to death and and that's when he runs through the whole set piece again and like but now there's snow and it's just this like heart-wrenching moment of you know cutting back and forth between the two of them and she's accepted her fate and he's you know very emotional and he makes it back to the village and and obviously the wife is also just as upset and distraught as him. But you say, you know, when we're 70, we're going to go together and we'll conquer this together. And the very next scene, like that transition, is I- industry coming to Japan. And I took the impression of – so. and then it, and the final shot is, you know – Nariyama or something like that. It's like a sign that commemorates it. And it's and like I we always, don't and it's like we don't do that anymore stuff, you know. Which is what I took as the tragedy. Is like she was like just like a few years too late when they just stopped performing this this uh this ritual. And and then the film ends. <laughs> but what rather what, abruptly. What is, but what is your like interpretation or not interpretation? What is your reaction to the end? Cuz I gave mine where I was very clearly into it, no, and just like, this yeah. is the moment. Well, I totally agree with you on that, like, everything that you just said, so I, I'm not going to repeat myself, but I, I, for that final, like, shot, isn't it in black and white as well? Well, the whole, f- oh, uh, I think so. Yeah, it's, it's like, archival like... footage, it looked like, and, and I'm like, I was watching this, I was like, wait, what? This is like, what is the scene? And, like, when I watched it, I, I, I was like, okay... Did, like, the Japanese government say you have to put this scene in? And the director's like, fuck it. Like, okay, here. Here's the scene that says we don't do this anymore. You know? Because it is really I messed up. Because I'm like, take it, like cause it, it doesn't fit with the movie at all. Well, I took it as that subtext of questioning, like, traditions. Well, I agree with you there. Traditions. But it's just a sign that says, like, we don't do this anymore. With, like, industrial Japan. And I was just like... Okay, I feel like it would if you just cut off the ending with not that scene, it would have been better because that that's like where the movie ends. That's where the story ends. There's well, I no... think that's like that solidifies the tragedy of like of what Nariyama is. And, I don't, like, I don't the ballad. Think... I mean, I guess, but I just thought of it more as like just a tacked on like obligatory ending where it's like 
yeah, this is, isn't this really messed up, this story? But we don't do this anymore, so don't worry. The rest of the world who's going to watch this movie, you well, know? Well, because the film easily could have just ended with the two, like, the couple just saying, when we're 70, we're going to do yeah, this Yeah, and that's well. what I feel. But I, I think it's deliberate, because I, I don't think it's just tacked on, because I think it's deliberate when... I, I I don't know if they say it in the film. Something tells me they said it in the film where it's like nineteen, like turn of the century Japan. And and if that's in there, then I feel like that's deliberate. But if it's not, like if I just read that in like the plot synopsis, then maybe it is tacked on. I just can't remember I if they say like what year. It I don't is. know. I just I guess in my heart of hearts that the film is so stylized and so specific, and then you just have this like B-roll footage of like a sign that says hey, guess what, we don't do this anymore. I feel like, and it's like black and white, it's not even like, it, it looks like it's just like shot in like a different, even like film. And I'm just like, oh, that was weird. Like, it's pretty jarring. So I just felt like, okay, maybe that was like the government or some sort of studio influence being like, okay, put this in here. I don't I, I don't know, this is all speculation, but I feel like this wasn't in the original movie. Or like it wasn't supposed to be. And I, and I didn't like that final... But it doesn't ruin it. The movie's still awesome. But I just didn't like that last scene of the of the, of the the railroad sign. I I don't know. To me, that just, like, reinforced what I was thinking. But it was... I will, like, concede. Like, it was kind of jarring. Like, you're just like, oh. No, okay. it's like... Because it's, like, fundamentally a different, like, scene. Like, in terms of, like, how you shoot it. Like... We were in the soundstage the entire movie, and then we just switched to, like, the real world. It, it just doesn't it doesn't add up for me. The movie's so or maybe consistent. It's like, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know, because I, I was about to say, like, maybe it's just, like, a reminder that this, it's not just a play, it's not based in fiction, like, it's it's actually based in reality. But even then, that's, that's kind of, like, a But, half-assed. like, the whole film, even from the get-go, was, like, there's, like, this fantastical element of, like... That this is like a fairy tale, a story that we're telling you, and it just didn't make sense to just be like, "Here's this archival footage of a train going by, and then here's a sign." I, I just didn't, yeah. I, I didn't like that of the, of the whole movie. That the last twenty seconds kind of didn't. It would the movie's so awesome, it would never even come close to ruining it. But it's definitely like a weird note to end your movie on, which I that's why I don't think it was originally supposed to end like that, but. Yeah, I see your point, but what? So, but what about like taking out that last twenty seconds? What? What? What about? What do you have to say about that whole segment, like leading up to the like the walk to the like the cliffside of no. Mariyama? Well, I just said I agree with you, and like I, I just don't want to. I just didn't want to repeat myself because like or repeat what you said because like I I agree with you in pretty much every single way of that scene and like how heartbreaking it is and like just how like it there's like this like such like an immense uh, an emotional like build up to this to the scene and it just like he's pulling the director is pulling the string tighter and tighter and you're just waiting for for it to break and just like it's just like the 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 reservoir to break and all just like emotion come out and it, and it is hard so no I, I that's what i'm saying i agree with you oh, okay yeah all right. like well, i don't really that's... have any deviating like perspectives on the ending. Okay. Well, that's all I kind of have to say. Like those, those are my closing thoughts really of, or kind of what all I have to say about the movie. Are there any more things you want to say before we get into our closing thoughts or if you have any questions for me about the film? Um, I mean, not really. It's, I just, I, I think the questions will be answered by your recommendations. And if I still have it, I'll ask. It's just me. 
it's mainly the fact that it's like you've been giving this nothing but high praise. I don't think you said like really a bad thing about it, and you're still like I don't really know where I'm landing on it. So yeah, and that's like I said at the beginning of this review, like 40 minutes ago. I I was like. This is going to sound really weird to you and the listener because I, it, I'm going to say nothing but praise but then my recommend like my my out of 10 recommendation level might surprise people and like head scratch but I think it is well now I'll get into my closing thoughts. I think it so The Ballad of Noriyama is should be it's one of those films that I think should be taught in Film school or, like, videography classes or, like, you know, one-on-one classes, historian classes, this should be studied, especially on a technical level and, like, historical level. I thought the chemistry and the dynamic between Oren, her son, and the new wife is amazing. And even by, like, uh, expansion, the relationship and how the village responds to her. Although I don't like the village at all, it's just an interesting dynamic between all the characters. So that's a plus. Obviously, the set design, sound stages, this film is technically brilliant. And the last 20 minutes are emotionally heart-wrenching and so enticing. But with all that being said, they're just... I don't know where the disconnect came from because, and I know it's just this weird paradox, and and this this it doesn't seem to be making sense. Where I give all this high praise, but I just felt so lukewarm on the movie. Maybe it's just I need to come back to it, and I just didn't know how to interpret it at the moment. But right now, maybe like I'll have a more appreciation when I'm exposed to more uh, Japanese cinema or just you know international cinema in general. But for right now, in 2019. Mike's going to give this review, or this this film, a uh, 6.5 out of 10, despite all of the positive things. Maybe one day we'll, re- we'll revisit it, and it'll jump up on the, on, the, uh, on the rating scale more. But I don't know, like, but I, I definitely see this film. Like, Cinephiles, if you clicked on this, and, and like, this seems like your type of thing, go for it. Like, I, I, I would recommend this to really anyone that is going to technical filmmaking. And, yeah, so, but I still give this a 6.5 out of 10. But it's it's a very solid recommendation. So I know that doesn't, that sounds really odd, but it's kind of just, what, like, it is what it is. Yeah, so I guess that'll be my turn. So it's weird, because I know, like, recommending this, it's, like, an incredibly niche thing to, like, put out there into the docket and stuff. And... I fully recognize that this will probably be like our least reviewed listened to episode because it is so such a different movie and I and I and I would be very surprised if honestly anyone had seen this and not because I'm like oh ho ho I'm like a film snob it's because I hadn't known about this movie until 2 3 months ago and even then I was just like blown away so this I realize this is a very like specific film and I realize, yeah, like I said, I doubt a lot of people will listen to this without seeing it first, and even that number will be pretty small. But I think the essence of why I put it back in here is just, just to get the name of this film out there, for all the reasons you said, where it's like, it's it's a, it's a near-perfect movie, and I think it is something that should be appraised and valued and appreciated. Um, yeah, there are, there are some issues with it, but overall, it's just 
off the on the whole it's it's a pretty fantastic experience and especially for like a cinephile or a film buff this is definitely should be especially for japanese cinema this should definitely be something on your watch list and have it in your collection if you collect it's it's a a truly awesome experience and i guess that being said i would i would i would still recommend this at an 8.5 or a 9 out of 10 more leaning towards the 9 out of 10 and i also do the recommendation for the girlfriend uh i unfortunately would not recommend this to her (laughs) i was i was gonna say i i don't think i wouldn't push my luck with that one this but even still not to say she can't appreciate it but i think she'd fall more under my spectrum like knowing your girlfriend i i definitely think she would appreciate like she could see the good in it but also kind of be like eh. she'd be like objectively i can see why someone like you brian would like this but i just the casual moviegoer it's not me and and i get it because it is a pretty slow paced movie even for something that's like an hour 43 i think it is or something it definitely does it definitely feels its length um, so yeah, I guess like that being said, like, I wouldn't well, I ask you, Brian, so could you find this any, like this film for anyone that is listening, has made it this far, I want to say thank you for listening this <laughs> thus far. And if you haven't seen it, is there any, anywhere that people can see this outside of Criterion or if they have, you know, a very special device, like a fire stick or something like that? I don't know. Is, I haven't looked it up. But like, I is mean, it on YouTube? Because typically it's these not films... on YouTube. I've looked. Okay, because I was gonna say typically, like, especially like older Japanese cinema, they're all on YouTube. Like, I think most of the Kurosawa films I've seen are <laughs> I've watched through YouTube. I'm sure so... you could stream it somewhere. Not that I condone that illegal activity, but <laughs> you know what I'm <laughs> saying. Um, also, I mean. It is like I said. It is a fifteen dollar DVD at Barnes and Noble, like retail. So at the same time, I don't know if it's available. I would assume it's not available on Blu-ray because it is pretty. Uh, it is a pretty un- relatively unknown film, and if I got it for fifteen bucks, um, I guess that would be my best recommendation. I know that's a pretty bad. I know like that's not really the easiest or most convenient, and even if they don't have it. I'm sure you can order it online, or especially through the collection. I don't remember what spy number it is, but you could just look it up online. Um, yeah, sorry, that's like a pretty. That's not a great answer, but well, I I, I kind of think you should be up, buying like, last it minute. because we got to support the physical media. Well, and like I said, I just kind of sprung it up last minute. I just was kind of thinking about it right now because if it wasn't for you. I more than likely would never have heard of this film or had seen it, and I think that that goes into the essence of why we started this podcast is to expose each other to different films. And I want to say thank you for for exposing this to me because I definitely wouldn't have seen this film elsewhere, except maybe from our buddy Andrew. He he may have recommended it to us. No, but, yeah, he didn't. But that's a, that's another thing too. Why I did put it on the docket is for the listeners is to just tell them that this movie exists and that they should see it and give it a shot. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, with that, guys, that concludes this episode of Amateur Autours. Thank you again for always listening, and you could follow us on Twitter at AltoursPod. You could email us with any questions, comments, or concerns at theamateuraltourspodcast at gmail.com. I also uh, wanted to say, I just, I just remind, this just reminded me, Brian, I, I wanted to congratulate you that we finally have our first 
uh, iTunes review. It, it just came in the other day. And I know that sounds weird, like praising the first iTunes, and like, we're, but we're still small time. I think we will always forever be small time. We kind of embrace that. We're the amateurs. We are not filmmakers. We're not film. We're not uh, film majors or anything like that. We are just film buffs, and that's always on. It's in our title, amateur. So I, I just want to thank you to the listener that wrote into us and and wrote a very positive five star review. Just want to say thank you. It means the world to us. So uh, everyone, please, if you could f- follow in that example and leave a comment, a review, a, a rating, it would mean the world to both Brian and I. But with that, guys, as always, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Amateur All Tours. Cover design was created by Sarah Jacobs. You can find more of her work at our own site and Instagram, Digital Adventures. Opening and closing theme, Dreams, was created by Joachim Karid, which was found using a Creative Commons search. As a small plug, go check out both Joachim's and Sarah's work. They really deserve it. All content discussed and shown is the property of their respective owners and is used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We are working hard to bring you all new content and episodes. So thank you again, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.